Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Every now and then the Lord gives you a word, and when he does, he expects you to deliver it. And so today I want to talk about, in this day and age, if you're like me, you hear a lot of people make statements about God. For instance, uh, athletes, entertainers, people all over the place, they make statements about God, things like, you know, I want to thank God for this opportunity. I, you know, I give all glory to God, and uh, God enabled me to do what I'm doing, and every one of us is a child of God, and I believe in God, and you hear this all over the place, and a lot of times when I'm sitting there and I'm hearing this, the question that comes to mind to me is, what God are they talking about? Is it the same God that I believe, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Who is it that they're referring to? In fact, I've come to the place that when I hear statements, I'm listening for another statement. And that statement is about Jesus. You know, because the name God has become very generic. And so, I want you to understand the difference maker. The difference between Christianity and other religions is in the personhood of Jesus Christ. And so, I entitled this message, Jesus, the Difference Maker. And I want to just throw out some stuff to you. I'm I'm not trying to crush anybody. I'm not trying to uh, judge anything, but I'm trying to share with you information that's out there. You can go research it yourself. But there are a lot of organizations, there are a lot of world religions that have focus on God. It really is. For instance, the Jehovah's Witnesses believe God that God the Father is the only true God. Jesus Christ is his firstborn son, is inferior to God, and was created by God. The Holy Spirit is not a person, but it is God's force. Slightly different from what we believe. Mormons clearly uh, and consistently teach that people must contribute their own work in order to live eternally with the Heavenly Father. And often even quoted in the Book of Mormon, for we know that it is by grace that we are saved after we do all we can. See how things are similar but different? The Hindus believe this, Christ is a prominent religious teacher and spiritual guide. His example is a light to any of us in this world who wants to take up the serious practice of spiritual life. His message is no different from the message of another one called Lord Krishna. You see the difference? The Muslims believe Jesus Isa, he is known as, in Arabic, is deemed by Islam 
to be a Muslim prophet rather than the son of God or God incarnate. He is referred to by the names in as many as 25 different versions of the Quran. Jesus, slightly different. And the Orthodox Jews believe that there is only one God who has established a covenant or special agreement with them. Their God communicates to the believers through prophets and requires good deeds without while also punishing evil. Most Jews believe there is a Messiah, but he has not yet come. And then the Buddha believed that Christ insisted in his human and there is no almighty benevolent God. Just wanted to share some of those things with you because when you hear the name of God, I always say, and when I'm in conversation with people, I always ask them, well, what about Jesus? Because Jesus is the difference maker. And I could go on and on and talking about Jesus, but Jesus is the central theme and central figure in all of Scripture. Not only in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament. Some scholars believe there are more than 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament alone. And so from Genesis to Revelation, we see either him being mentioned or a reference to him. For instance, in Genesis 3.15, it says, and the seed of the woman, well, if you live any time in life, you know women don't have a seed, <laughs> will crush the head of the serpent and the serpent will bruise the heel. That's a reference to Jesus because he was the one that was born of a virgin. And so I wanted to speak to you about that, but I want to get to why Jesus is the difference maker. And in order to do that, I found a scripture in Colossians that I think speaks to this. And it's Colossians chapter 1. They want to put that up on the screen. And this is out of the... Uh, TPT translation, the Passion Translation. And it begins at verse 9 and reads through verse 23. Now, I want you to really listen carefully. It says, since we first heard about you, we've kept you always in our prayers that you would receive the, no the perfect knowledge of God's pleasure. Amen over your lives, making you reservoirs of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding. We pray that you would walk in the ways of truth, righteousness, pleasing God in every good thing you do. Then you'll become fruit-bearing branches, yielding to his life and maturing in the rich experience of knowing God in his fullness. We pray that you would be energized with all his explosive power from the realm of his magnificent glory, filling you with great hope. This is what Paul the apostle is saying to the people, to the believers in Colossae. 
And you got to understand that they were living in a time not too different from us. You know, I was talking to a young man uh, from South Florida just a couple of days ago. He called me for some encouragement and for some counsel. And the thing that he was saying is, in the midst of COVID, I feel like uh, there's so much pressure against you when you start talking about Jesus when you start. I said, brother, this ain't nothing new. I said, do you understand the, the, the kind of tyranny and the kind of pressure? I said, the problem is, is that you and I in America haven't seen the kind of pressure that people have seen in other nations. It's just now coming our way. So get ready. I said, it, it, we don't know the pressure that they have in other countries and Muslim nations and, and communist nations that stand up for Jesus Christ. I said, so brother, get ready because it is coming our way. And I told him that when you stand up for Jesus, then you stand to suffer with him. When you stand up for Jesus... <laughs> You're going to be a minority, and it's not because of the color of your skin, but it's because of the content of your character. You will be in the minority because broad is the gate that leads to destruction, and many go there, but narrow is the gate that leads to heaven, and few go there. So I just wanted to pause, and then it says here, your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical uh, rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. For in the Son, all sins are canceled, and we have the release of redemption through his blood. One and for all. You see, Jesus, we don't have to make sacrifices anymore like they did in the Old Testament because Jesus' blood stands forever. But this is what I really want you to listen to, because this talks about who Jesus is. And I think so many times we forget about who Jesus really is. We hear about Jesus so much in the church. We hear about Jesus, 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 and especially during this time of year. But I'm here not to talk about a baby in a manger. I'm not here to talk about a Savior on the cross, but I'm here to talk about the preeminent one. Jesus, and he says this in verse number 15. He is the divine portrait and the true likeness of the invisible God and the firstborn heir of all creation. Now, when some people hear that, like I go back to one of the other religions that I talked about a moment, they say he was created. But if you understand anything about the Jewish culture, when you talk about the firstborn, the firstborn in the Jewish culture was the favorite one by the parents. He is the one who was designated.
designated to take over once the father died, and he would receive the double portion. He is the one that had the rule of all that the father left. All of the father's inheritance went to the firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. And it says this here, both in the heavenly realm and on earth, all that is seen all and all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority in all created through him and for his purposes. So how could he be created if everything was created through him and for him and by him? He is preeminent. And so when we hear this, we have to understand who we're talking about, who we're serving, and who we have our identity in. This is not just a normal person. This is not just another man. This is not just a prophet or a priest. But he is God in the flesh. The expressed, exact image of God. And that's why he said, when you see me, you see the Father. I'm not like him, I am him. See, we were made in his likeness. But Jesus says, I am him in the flesh. And that's why the Jews were infuriated when he says, before Abraham was, I am. Because they said, whoa, whoa, brother, who do you think you are? He said, I know who I am, do you? Because they understood that the only one that could make that statement was God. Because when Moses asked God, who should I say sent me? He said, I am sent you. So the Jews were looking at Jesus like, hey, bro, you bleed like I bleed. How can you make that statement? And it's because he knew who he was. Do you know who you are in him? Because if you know who you are in him, when pressure comes, what will come out of you is him. Yeah. Yeah. No, I told somebody the other day, it can look like an orange. You can, it, can, it can feel like an orange, but when you press it, if apple juice comes out of it, it ain't an orange. So you can look like Christ, you can act like Christ, but under pressure, we will find out who you really are. Back to the text. He is the head of the body, which is the church. How many of you are part of the body? Then he's the head over you. He's the head over me. It says... And since he is the beginning 
and the firstborn heir in resurrection. He is the most exalted one, holding the first place in everything. For God is satisfied and have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear what I'm saying. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and on earth is brought back to himself. We don't have to do anything else except accept it and receive it. See? I remember I, I, I had a guy when I was in Tampa, and, and he was a Muslim, and, and he would always come to me. I, I guess he thought I didn't know what I was talking about. Or maybe it was just his duty to share with me. But he would come to me and he would talk about this and that and the other. And, and I would always, I would ask him one question. How do you know when you've done enough good? And he stopped and he said, I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> I don't have to wonder why. Because Jesus paid it all. His blood is enough for me. His work is finished. That's what he said on the cross. It is finished. There's nothing else for me to do except to live in it, to embrace it, to love it. Back to the scripture. And it says here, even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as, a, as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God for he sees you as holy. See, I'm not holy because of what I do. If you hang around me long enough or you talk to my wife, you'll find out I am not that holy. All right? People that know that know me well, I am not that holy. It's only through Christ that I am holy. See, when God looks at me and the things that I'm doing, he sees Christ's blood that says, I've already paid for him. And so, therefore, he sees me as holy. Why is Jesus the difference maker? He's the difference maker. And what does difference maker mean? It means someone who radically transforms. See? Jesus is not here to visit us. He's here to transform us. He's here to make a different person out of us. Not to change our personality, but to change our character and our nature. I was loud before I came to Christ. And I'm still loud. 
When I'm talking to my wife, she says, Shh, just, uh, just you and me. Whole neighborhood don't need to know. And I look at her like, I'm not talking loud. Sometimes I get a little upset. I'm not talking loud. She said, well, now it just went up a volume. He's not trying to change you, your personality. If you were meek, if you were quiet, but he's trying to change your nature and your character to align itself with you. So now I want to go on. First point, Jesus is a difference maker in where people will spend eternity. I want, you to, I want that to sink in. That's why I pause for a moment. Sometimes you have a Selah moment, you know, where you just stop. He is the difference maker in where you and I and anyone else that walks this earth will spend eternity. Because in Acts 10, chapter, uh, uh, verse uh, 42, he says that he is the judge. It says he is the righteous judge. He is the one, okay? It says he is the one whom God appointed as judge of who? The living and the dead. You can pray all you want to these other folks, but if you don't come to Jesus, you've already determined your eternal destination. You got to come to him because he is the door. He is the door. And when you think about it, it says here, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out from green pastures. Now, uh, let me help you to understand that. It doesn't mean that you can have one foot in and one foot out. It doesn't mean that today you can be walking with him and tomorrow you can be walking somewhere else. It means that you will be in him always and you will go in and out of the gate that he provides because we, you got to understand when the sheep were coming in, the sheep would come through the door that the shepherd provided for them. And Jesus is our good shepherd. And so he says this. And then he says this statement that all of us have heard. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, we can act, you know, people say, well, that's very narrow-minded. Well, I will be narrow-minded because narrow is the gate. If you want to call me narrow-minded, but he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how many good deeds you've done. I don't care how good you can preach or teach. I don't care how much you can do with your hands. I don't care how much you can deliver and set free. I don't care who you can heal. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man. I don't care how much money you have. You can't buy your way in heaven. You can't tithe your way in heaven. You got to come through the door. And the door is Jesus. 
way, the truth, and the life. Why is Jesus the, the difference maker? Point number two. Jesus is the difference maker because in him we will be able to live our life. You see, Jesus says three times, three times in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. And in uh, John 6, 35, he says, Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. Now, some of y'all might be in the flesh and say, well, I've been hungry before, and I'm in Christ. <laughs> That's not what he's talking about. He's not about talking about feeding your belly. He's talking about feeding your soul. He's talking about feeding your spirit. He said, you will never lack what you need to live life and live it abundantly. Because he is the one that has all wisdom. He is the one that has all power. He is the one that is ever present. So he can lead you through any situation, through any circumstance, through anything that you are facing in life. That's why he says, I am the bread of life. In other words, if you come to me, if you eat of me, if you know me, if you abide in my word, and my word abides in you, you'll be able to do anything. You can conquer everything. That's why Jesus is the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. In other words, I am all that you need to sustain your life. I am all that you need to conquer life. I am all that you need to get through the pressures of life. Why are we looking here and there and everywhere? We need to put our confidence in Jesus. We need to put our trust in Jesus. We need to put our time with Jesus. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will always have light. Some of you may be looking for direction in your life. Turn to Jesus. Psalm 119 says, his word is a light, to, a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. And who is the word? John 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In verse 14, it says, and we beheld him. Hmm? Only one we beheld is Jesus. So, see, understand this. When you're looking for direction in your life, when you're looking to say, which way should I go? See? And that's why Kevin could know because he has a life in Christ and he could look like this because oftentimes many doors will open. Just when you're about to make that decision, this door opened and that door opened and it's almost like uh, PG said uh, a while ago, the price is right. Which door will you choose? Well, if you stay in the light, he will point you to the right door. You must stay in the light. And he is the light. When you're walking in darkness, he is the light. And then he says here, another reason 
is because he is the one who sets you free. It says, so if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Some of y'all don't believe that. Or either you haven't received that. Because when the son sets you free, you are truly free indeed. You are no longer bound to those things. When he sets you free. Now, some of us have had a Band-Aid put on us, and we thought we were set free. But when the sun sets you free, you will know it. See? It's different than putting a Band-Aid on you. It means that you're completely healed. It means that that wound is no longer there. When the sun sets you free. The third reason Jesus is the difference maker is because Jesus is the difference maker in whether we live victoriously or not. I'm tired of whining, crying Christians. Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Quit whining, quit crying, and stand up! Because the victorious one lives in you. He is the head of the church. You want to know what to do with your life? Then listen to the head. Philippians says, let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. But we searching everything else but Jesus for direction in our life. He is the victorious one. It says here in Revelations 3.21, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with the Father on his throne. He is the victorious one. You see, sometimes victory doesn't look like victory. Because when he was hanging on the cross, didn't look like victory, but it was victory because he destroyed the principalities of darkness. But the devil thought he had won until he rose three days later with all power and authority. You see, sometimes when we do what we're supposed to do, like that person that says in the scriptures, pray for your enemies. Huh? What you talking about, Willis? Pray for my enemy. Pray for my enemy. Bless those who despitefully use me. You better get up out of here. Doesn't look like victory, but it is. Because you know what? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Quit boxing with the wrong people. Y'all pointing to people all the time. Well, you did this to me, and you and all it is is a principality. Some of y'all done went from job to job, relationship to relationship, and you have the same thing happening. Hmm, might not be the people. That's right. Preach it now. Preach it. You better say that again. Say that again. Say that again. 
I'm going to say it again. Some of you going from job to job, relationship to relationship, and having the same thing happening. Hmm. Might not be the people. You better recognize there's a spirit behind this. But Jesus has already defeated it. So all we got to do is come up under his headship and let him lead us, and we will walk in victory. I want to move on to my last point. There's some, some other things, but I want to move on to point number four. So I hear people say to me, and I spend a lot of time talking to people privately. You know? People call me, and they got this going on and that going on. And so I talk to people, and people say, you know, and I'm going to ask you today, if you've been desiring, maybe you're sitting here right now, maybe you're sitting here today, and you say, I want to know what Jesus wants for my life. I wanted my life to have more purpose and meaning. I want to live a fuller life. I want to have more joy in my life. Well, I have an answer for you, I believe. And that is this. When you and I began to realize who Jesus really is, he's not the baby in the manger. He's not the Savior on the cross. He's not the soon-coming king. He is already the king. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the preeminent one in life. Preeminent. That means supreme. That means above all things. See? Huh? You got a money problem? He is supreme. You got a relationship problem? He is supreme. You got a health problem? He is supreme. Hallelujah. You got a relationship problem? He is supreme. You got an anger problem? He's supreme. Whatever it is, he's supreme over it because he is preeminent in it. So I want to give you these four things as I wrap up. These four things, and I'm going back to the text. It says we must surrender to his lordship. Colossians 1.9 says we must surrender to his lordship. First thing, first thing if you want Jesus to be in your life, if you want your life to be fuller, if you want your life to be more victorious, if you want to, to know who you are and what your purpose is and what you should do with your life, you must first surrender your life. Amen. Give it up. Wave the white flag. Quit trying to increase and decrease. Okay? It's the first thing you got to do. You have got to say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. I give it all to you. Surrender your life to him. Let him have it. Most of us ain't going nowhere anyway without him. So if you're stuck in the mud, why stay in the mud? Let somebody pull you up out of the mud and the mari clay and set your feet on solid ground. Yes. Surrender it all to him. Here, you can have it all. Like Paul said, you can have it all. I count everything else that I've done that's done, that's nothing for the excellency of Christ. And Paul had accomplished a whole lot. 
in the eyes of man. But when he came to the revelation of who Jesus was, he said, that don't mean nothing. That don't mean a thing to me because I am searching for something more eternal. And so when we think about that, the first thing is to surrender our lives to him. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, today is the day to really give him your life. I'm not talking about emotionally giving him your life. Hey, everybody else going up, so I go up. Can you pray for me? No, I mean say, look, I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved, and I want to give you my life so that I can take on your life. It's not an emotional decision, but it's a decision of the heart. That means you're going to die to your self, old self, so that you can live in Christ. The second thing you must do is you submit to his leadership. And oh boy, this is where we have trouble. No, the other day I was walking. I was walking. I'm trying to trying to lose some weight, trying to, you know, trying to do something a little different. You know, I've said a lot of things, but I haven't done a lot of things with this weight here. So I'm trying to do something a little different. So I was walking the other day. I was listening to some worship music as I normally do, and I was praying. And you know, like normal, I had my prayer list out, and you know, shh, okay, God. Here's all the things I want you to do. And it was a holy interruption because I started thinking about the preeminence of Christ and who he is. As I was walking, I began to weep. I just began to weep in that moment because I began to think about how many years, how many months, how many days have I wasted not, su not submitting to his leadership? How much time have I allowed to go by by not submitting to his leadership, not allowing him to be the head over my life? And I began to weep, and I was walking and weeping. And, you know, being a man, I was trying to, I was trying to suck it up, you know. Yeah, it's just something in my eye, you know. <laughs> but the, the presence of the Lord was so on me, and the revelation of who Jesus Christ is was so real to me in that moment that I couldn't shake it. And I didn't want to shake it. I just wanted to walk in it and bask in it and live in it and be in it. I said, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, not just Savior Jesus, but Lord Jesus. You know, because the scripture says you have been bought with a price. And it says whoever you give the members of your body to, you become a slave to that. And I want to be a slave to Jesus. In the sense that I want him to be my all in all. I want him to be the one over me. Uh, uh, the worship team, you can come on up. I only got two quick points. 
And so we must surrender. The last thing that we must do is we must live a victorious life. Victoriously live. In other words, when you wake up with a bad day, understand this. Guys, and I'm going to say this, and I really want you to grab hold of it all. I want everybody to say all things work together for my good. All things work together for my good. Didn't say all things are good. It says all things work for good. So when I'm having a bad day, when things are not going my way, I have to remember and tell myself all things work together. I have to remind myself that this didn't catch him off guard. I have to remind myself he knew it was coming. I have to remind myself that he has a solution for it. Hmm? You know, man has a solution for some things, but God has a solution for all things. And I can turn to Pastor George for solution this, and I can turn to Pastor Lewis, and I can turn to to Harvest, and I can turn to Frank or or Rosie, or I can turn to my wife or others for some things, but I can turn to Jesus for all things. And we have to remind ourselves Quit wallowing in misery because Jesus created us to soar like eagles. So I'm asking you, learn how to live victorious because he is victorious. I can be victorious in all things. And that's not because I have to be seen. I don't have to be the shining light to be victorious. You see... Pastor George come to me, hey, Pastor Keith, you want to preach? You want to preach? I'm like, I don't need to preach. I know who I am. And I know what he's called me to be. And what he's called me to do. I don't have to run off to start my own church because I didn't get a chance to preach in this church. I know who I am. And I walk boldly and proudly in it. Some of you have been called to be intercessors. And nobody on this earth may ever know your name, but I'm sure heaven knows your name. Some of you have been called, and your primary responsibility is to raise that child. Raise him up, raise her up. And you think, I ain't doing nothing. Yes, you're doing exactly what the Lord wants you to do. for me to have the light. My name don't have to be in light for me, to, for him to know my name. My name doesn't have to be in light for me to have a crown of righteousness. All I have to be is submitted to his will, not my will. You see, in the book of James, it says this. You want to know how to get the devil running? Hmm? You want to know how to put him on his roller skates? It says, submit to God. See the order? Submit to God. We, we stand up. We, I'm going to 
fight the devil today. And he start whooping up on us and we be like, no, we got to submit to God first. Then he gives us the grace to resist the devil. And then he will flee. And Paul lived for this one thing, and I think we all should live for this one thing. To preach Christ. See, we can preach a lot of things. And we can talk about a lot of things. But the number one thing we should be talking about is Jesus Christ. See? You see, when we come into his life, what happens to us? We put on Christ. Yeah. Right. Right. So I thought I was looking handsome, but I might have a little bit too. See, you put on Christ. When you put on Christ, that's what we should do every day of our life. Put on Christ. Take off the old things and put on Jesus. And let him be seen in you and through you. Stand to our feet. Stand to our feet. So in this season, in this holiday, quit focusing on what you can't do because of COVID or some official or some leader, but began to focus on what you can do in Christ. And that's what I told a young man the other day, and that's what I told another brother two days ago, who's going through marital difficulties in another state. I said, quit, quit focusing on what's wrong. Know what's wrong but focus on the one who can bring healing. Focus on the one who can make it right. We focus so much of our attention on what's wrong and what's, what's not right. And somebody asked me, well, what did I do in this situation? I said, ask Jesus what he wants you to do and then do it. It's simple, guys. It ain't got to be complicated. I mean, we, 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 we make it more complicated than it is. What do you want me to do? And then do it. That's all we got to do. So I, I, I'm kind of like Harvest. I, I, you know, PG is the one that knows how to do the altar calls and all of that stuff. But maybe something resonated with you today. Maybe you heard something today and you heard it with your heart and not your head. And I want you to think about it as you go through this season. Because in Christ, we all, I want you to point to yourself, say, I can be a difference maker. In Christ, I can be a difference maker. That's what we are. He is the, because he is the difference maker. I can be a difference maker. Would you give the Lord a big shout of praise for this?
I want him to sit up here, but I, I, wanna, I felt the Lord say something to me. I want everyone to listen to me. This is a true story, what I'm about to tell you. I am so happy and I'm so glad that churches like us are talking about Jesus at church. Listen, I had a young adult, I had a young adult, I had a young adult tell me, Pastor George, I am sick and tired of going to church. He, a, a, a pretty relevant young adult tell me, I stopped coming to church because every church I go to is the same. Then th this is what they said to me, it's motivational speeches. The fog machine, the lights, and they have thousands of people, but they said every church is like a coach. Every church's message that I go to, I, that's what this young adult is telling me. This feels so, it's like they don't talk about Jesus anymore, Pastor George. That's what she told me, this one young adult. She said, they don't talk about Jesus anymore. Do you know that you could pack churches up and never talk about Jesus? Isn't that amazing? That's an amazing thought that we could pack out churches and all the time there's principles, which is great. There's how to live right. There's programs to feed the needy. But you know what? We need to have, this is what I felt. Thank you for that. We need to have our Christianity steered back to Jesus. We need to, I really feel that the most deepest messages in the earth today are the simplest ones. When is the last time we walked with Jesus? We talked with Jesus. That we put Jesus, not, can I, I'm gonna be, I just feel this from the Lord, that we focus even so much on our calling that we have left Jesus as a supplement. Like, where's my calling? Where's my dream? Where is my assignment? And that's all coming. But we try to figure out how to get to that next step instead of walking with Jesus. And I'll never, I'll never forget, I've said it before and I'll say it again, we're gonna to come to a close. It's, I think a lot of our problems that we, is that we strive in our Christian walk because we're so used to working for Jesus instead of working with Jesus. It's what can I do for you? Lord, anoint me to do this. Lord, if I fast, I'm going to get a breakthrough. And Jesus is saying, just take my hand and we'll do it together. Come on, we'll do it together. And I feel the presence of God right now as I'm speaking. Pastor Keith, what an incredible word. Reminding us that church, I'm going to say a bold statement, is not about just motivating you. It's not just about coaching you. We got enough self-help teachers out there. That's not what the church is for. The church is to exemplify Jesus in our community and in the community out here. So I want you to close your eyes. Worship team, if we could just get ready to sing one song in the background. As we worship, I want us to do this. I feel led to do this. Just focus on Jesus right now. Don't focus on how you could get motivated don't focus on, on if, the, if the message was great or if the lights were good. Focus on Jesus and his preeminence. Is he Lord of your life? Come on. Let's just give us a couple minutes and let's just bring back Jesus back into our Christian walk and into our churches. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.